Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today we are going to talk about how we teach history in the United States and why the way we focus on certain points may leave people with a less than accurate picture of history. And we're going to talk about the USS Pueblo and uh, a guy named Gary Powers. We're going to do this because somebody is incredibly concerned and sent a message. My boyfriend joined the Army last year. I'm worried he'll have to go to war in Ukraine. My dad said not to worry and that it was Cold War II. He had the same attitude you do and said it was probably saber-rattling. Looking up the Cold War, I find Vietnam and the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis. This doesn't seem minor, but all of the old people that talk about this don't seem concerned. Explain, please. Okay. Um, great powers, near peers in today's language, they don't like to go to war. It's called the Cold War because it didn't get hot. The list you have there, the only part of that is that is really representative of the Cold War is the Cuban Missile Crisis. The uh, the way we teach history is we tend to focus on the, the more dramatic parts, which can really lead to a bad narrative. The Cold War can be defined by two major powers, really three, but we'll keep it simple, two major powers jockeying for position while attempting to avoid going to war with each other directly. Cuban Missile Crisis, the Cuban Missile Crisis fits that. It was tension. It didn't get hot. The near-peer contest that we're entering, it's the same thing. The concept is mutually assured destruction, MAD. And when you say that, people immediately think nukes, because that's what's in your history book. And that's true. But even in a conventional conflict between great powers, the destruction is massive. It's the destruction of the economy. It's the destruction of the conventional forces. It's the removal of a generation of people. It's a big deal. Both sides try to avoid it. For it to go hot, both sides have to make a mistake at the same time. Something that is far more representative of the Cold War is the, the USS Pueblo. It was a ship in... 1968, I think. I could be wrong on that. Fact check that. Um, it was winter, January of 1968. It's a spy ship hanging out off the coast of North Korea just doing spy stuff. The North Koreans had launched a clandestine, a commando raid across the border south, and it didn't go well. So, I guess, I don't know, maybe to preserve reputation on the international scene, they decided to move on this spy ship. Now, the American position is that it was in international waters. The North Koreans say it was in North Korean waters. The reality is, near as I can tell, is that it was in international waters, but really close due to North Korean waters. The North Koreans took the ship. They seized a U.S. Navy ship in in the U.S.'s eyes, in international waters. 
they kept the crew. They kept them prisoner for almost a year. I want to say 11 months. They didn't treat them well. Um, they forced them to uh, take propaganda photos. And the sailors convinced the North Koreans that the Hawaiian symbol for good luck was extending your middle finger to the camera because Navy. Um, and this was a way of letting the people back home know that the photos were coerced. Held them for almost a year. Didn't go to war over it. That ship, the USS Pueblo, it's still in North Korea. They give like guided tours on it. Um, the reason the U.S. didn't want to go to war over an act of war, seizing seizing a, a ship like that, is because North Korea was part of that block and had those allies. And fighting them meant fighting great powers. We don't want to do that. Another example is Gary Powers. He was flying a U-2 spy plane, and he was definitely in Soviet airspace. And they shot him down. They uh, captured him, interrogated him, convicted him of espionage, and sent him to prison. We didn't go to war over the Soviets actually shooting down a U.S. plane. And they didn't go to war for us invading their airspace. Great powers don't like to go to war. Um, in that case, we traded, I want to say, a KGB colonel for him. But he, w he was held for an extended period as well. The great powers don't like to fight each other directly. It, that's, that's why it's called the Cold War. Your dad and other old people are, are right. We're running back into that. If you want to know what's going to happen, look back to the Cold War. And don't just read about the dramatic parts, because that's actually, those are the mistakes. Um, look back to it and just compare Ukraine to Germany. In, in this version of this contest, it's not going to be our man in Berlin. It's going to be our man in Kiev. That's going to be the front line. But, because a lot of people aren't familiar with this, and the media loves the ratings, they're going to play up every troop buildup. You know, we're sending troops to Ukraine. That's what the coverage says. But we're actually not. We're sending troops to countries near Ukraine to act as a deterrent, mutually assured destruction. There may be some special operations that are actually in Ukraine, but it's going to be pretty limited. That's that's going to be the front line in this. I don't want to say that it's not possible, because it is. If both sides make a mistake at the same time, it is possible for a U.S. versus Russia direct, direct conflict to occur, but that's very unlikely because both sides are going to try to avoid that. Um, now, as far as the U.S. backing... Ukrainian partisans, while they're fighting the Russians, that's a whole lot more likely. Um, but at this point, I'm kind of leaning towards the idea that Putin's looking for a way out. Because if he was going to advance, he probably would have done it by now. I think at, at 
this point, he is probably looking for a way to kind of hit the safety valve, release some of the tension, let things calm back to normal, and then he'll try to jockey for position again. Um, because this isn't going to end anytime soon. It, it's going to be a cycle. It, in fact, I have a video from like nine months ago where pretty much the same thing happened. Um, this will occur over and over again. And it's going to happen a lot in Ukraine. It will happen a lot in other countries as well. But judging by the geopolitical realities, Ukraine's probably going to be the front line. And it is going to be very comparable to Germany during the Cold War. This is especially true if Putin does advance and carve up the country more. The, the dynamic will be even more similar. But at this point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic every time there's there's an article about it because there's going to be a lot of them, and I know you know they withdrew from the embassy. That's actually not that rare. They're making a big deal out of it right now because of what happened in Afghanistan. The Biden administration wants to make sure that everybody knows they're saying to get out, but. Um, going to a smaller crew at the embassy does not necessarily mean that war is imminent. I, I think that Putin would like to take large segments of Ukraine without firing a shot, and it doesn't look like he'll be able to pull that off this time. So it seems as though he might want to uh, de-escalate a little bit, but we don't know. He could make a mistake. And if the Biden administration makes a mistake at the same time, then, then a hot conflict is possible. But both sides are trying to avoid that because it's bad for everybody. So uh, your, your dad's right. It, it, it's unlikely, but it's not impossible. So it, it's probably time for everybody to brush up on, you know, history from, say, 1945 to 1990. And don't just look at the dramatic events. Look at the smaller stuff that went along with it. Because that's, that's the, uh, the predominant theme is going to be the sides trying to avoid war while gaining the upper hand. At least direct war with each other. Proxy conflicts are going to happen a lot. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day.